Number 18, Jermaine Grisham. The tight end flips from the left to the right. Big opening has five, has ten, and he is off at the 50 of foot race. 30, 25, 20, and going to be knocked down by Devin Gregg after a run from scrimmage of... Well, let's see here. <laughs> we got our totalizator out. 70 yards, I believe, it's what it's going to be. That was DeMarco Murray torching the Texas A&M defense back in November of 2008. Two plays later, Sam Bradford scrambled into the end zone. OU took a 7-0 lead in College Station, and the route was on. The Sooners beat the Aggies 66-28 that day, and Oklahoma didn't even score a point in the fourth quarter. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. I'm Lee Benson. You may have noticed no opening take today, so we'll bring in Grant here in a moment. We'll dive into another full show of hot OU football talk. Hopefully you've liked the West of Everest Facebook page and have seen the post we shared about Athlon Sports quarterback rankings for 2019. These lists are specifically designed for the summer months, and we're more than happy to discuss and debate which quarterbacks are ranked too high, too low, and just right. That topic will probably lead us into our early opponent previews of the week. Yeah, we totally forgot that Oklahoma plays Kansas before Texas this fall, so this show was always going to be all about Texas, but we've made some changes, and I guess we'll touch on Kansas a little bit. And I actually think that the Jayhawks are kind of interesting heading into 2019, so I'll explain a little bit of that later on. And finally... I'm going to say this right now, so hopefully I remember to bring it up at the end of the show. This week, I'll get a chance to talk to Baker Mayfield at his Norman Youth Football Camp, and I want to ask Grant if he's got any questions that he wants me to ask Mayfield at the end of the show. So without further ado, we'll bring in Grant. Grant, what's going on? Well, nothing much, Lee. So it looks like you're going to have your Kansas moment, kind of very similar to how I had my South Dakota moment a couple weeks ago, where we talk about <laughs> a completely irrelevant team. Just for yeah, the just just for the purposes of continuity, I love it. Yeah, I just I would not feel good about skipping over a team. Just the OCD in me. The only difference between you and me, though, is I didn't spend two hours looking into Kansas like you spent looking into South Dakota State, or was it South Dakota? South Dakota, they're playing not South Dakota State. South Dakota State um, would be a would be much more interesting. Yeah, probably. All right, so let's dive into, real quick, I wanted to bring up, uh, remember that 2018, so last summer, that Sports Illustrated top 100 players list? Absolutely. I feel like that was maybe one of, that, that, was, that was one of our better bits from last summer. Um, actually, a, a bit that ended up being kind of prophetic, in, in a sense. There was, uh, there was a lot of stuff on there we ended up being quite right about. So I'm frantically typing in google and searching for it again to bring it up again because i wanted to make sure we, i have it in front of me i should have done that earlier but i got it now um i was looking into last year so it came out june 19th of 2018 so by the time you listen to this podcast on wednesday there might be a brand new sports illustrated top 100 list for 2019 but um so this was an interesting list to revisit just because at the time we kind of made fun of it and it, it makes even more sense to make fun of it now but there was only one sooner on this list and it was Rodney Anderson and I was texting you about this the other day and you mentioned multiple other sooners that uh, you know maybe should not have been on the list at the time but by the end of the season were definitely part of the top 100 players which were those players again well so I suppose yeah if you go back in retrospect over the course of the year OU had let's so, so Kyler obviously would have just been number one on the list, um, and then after that probably Hollywood, 
and then Cody Ford, and then C.D. Lamb, and then you could probably, if you wanted to, you could probably put Creed Humphrey on there, uh, Ben Powers maybe, uh, but actually Ben Powers over Creed Humphrey for sure. Um, so, I mean, for sure, you know, Murray, the two receivers, Cody Ford, and Ben Powers are at, would absolutely be on the, an end-of-year list. Well, you look at this list now, and I know we have the benefit of hindsight looking at it, but think back to 2018, and if you're putting together a top 100 list of players for 2018, and obviously we'd never, we'd never seen Kyler Murray start week one for Oklahoma. We had never seen him as the number one guy for the Sooners. We had just seen him in mop-up duty the year before under Baker Mayfield, and then we'd saw, uh, seen him at Texas A&M a few years back. Um, but you look at the quarterbacks on this list, and not knowing a whole lot about Kyler Murray, but knowing that Lincoln Riley obviously is an offensive genius, and Kyler Murray is pretty talented, you think that maybe he should have been just somewhere in this this list, right? Because you look at other quarterbacks in this list. Number ninety two was Jake Browning from Washington. Number eighty four, the 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 second lowest ranked quarterback was Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama. They had him Tua that low, and he even had the benefit of having that great national title game. Then after that, you have Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. Okay, he was at 83. Shea Patterson, 80 for Michigan. And so I'm trying to uh, – the number one ranked quarterback on this list, the highest ranked quarterback, was Khalil Tate at number four. And he kind of disappeared in a way last year compared to what kind of his expectations were, did he not? Yeah, no, he had a, he had a bad season. Yeah, and so if you're going to rank the quarterbacks on this list, it was number one, Khalil Tate, number two, McKenzie Milton, Trace McSorley was number three, which you know my thoughts on Trace McSorley. I never was a big fan of him. Will Greer was the fourth guy. Drew Locke, number five. Then Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, a lot of SEC quarterbacks in here, which is just kind of laughable. Justin Herbert wasn't until number 61. He had Jake Fromm, who was probably a little too low. He had Fromm at 65. I think I remember talking about Fromm and saying that he was too low at the hmm. time, I think. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just. I know this is from a year ago, and, and it's, it's all just for fun and games because at this if, point in the, in the summer, you're just sure. you're trying to, to have discussion and predict things. But if I remember correctly, the, the things that, that we were most outraged about was, uh, was Hollywood and CeeDee Lamb not being on the list at all. Um, yes. And then also I was – and he, he's not someone I would have put on the list at the end of the season, but a guy I think should have been there at the beginning of last year was Bobby Evans, and he was not. So um, mm-hmm. that surprised me, whereas, you know, I think – um, I, I think you can make an argument that Kyler, Hollywood, and, and, and Cody Ford uh, were, were top 20 players in, in, in the country last year. So it was, you know, it's, it's, it's summer clickbait, but it certainly was really fun to talk about. I hope we can do it again next week if they come out with another list. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I just want to bring that up to transition into the list that we are going to talk about today on the show. And that's from Athlon Sports. They went ahead and ranked the... Uh, every single quarterback in the country. And there's, what, 130 FBS teams? 130, yeah. 130. So, I mean, that's quite the undertaking. So good for them for taking the time to do this. And I got to say, from from kind of uh, just looking at this list, you see some right away. You know, you start from one and you kind of go up and you, you, you want to kind of think, oh, I don't know about that, I don't know about that. But then you kind of start getting in the, in the 10s and the teens and the 20s. And you get to about 20 and after that, maybe even 25, you're, you're kind of like, well, I, there's not a whole lot left here because a lot of these guys, you know, are kind of, you know, on teams that aren't that good or they're on mid-major teams they haven't really seen play a whole lot. So 
you kind of think to yourself, maybe, you know, maybe this list isn't too far off. So I thought this list was going to be way more out there than, than really ended up being. So I'll preface it with that. Um, for you, when you looked at this list, what's the first thing I think, uh, I'm trying to think the best way to, to present this to you. I mean, maybe the, the main thing that jumped out at you. I mean, was there a, was there like an obvious mistake or an yeah. obvious like, oh yeah, definitely that's that's correct that jumped out at you? There's there's one very obvious mistake with the list. Um, maybe there, there's one A and there's one B. Uh, the one A, the most obvious one that is just a swing and a miss is they have Ian Book uh, at 15 behind some uh, some names such as KJ Costello, Kellen Mond, Jordan Love from Utah State, Mason Fine from North Texas, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. That's 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 very, very wrong. Um that that's that was the one that that most jumped out to me. Um Ian Book I, I think should be six or seven on this list, to be honest with you. So I was curious I, I agree with you that Book was too low. Did you have you ranked them? As I, I went ahead and ranked my top ten. No, I didn't. Because I figured I, I, I got to put this into order so I have a, you know, a logical kind of basis to go off, off of. Okay, so you haven't ranked them. I, I haven't Come ranked on. them quite yet. Come you know, on, there's, I, I guess I don't really know how, how you want to do this. Um, the other ones, uh, the, the, the two guys who would, who would appear, you know, higher on my list than do on here, um, are one, the one guy I already mentioned. Ian Book and the other would be Derek King at Houston, who is number ten in this list. He would be up, he'd be up in the in the top five on my list. But um, you know, there's hmm, okay, yeah. So you know, I have it listed in the categories of you know who do you think is is properly properly ranked? You know, like and you know if if they're like a spot or two away from maybe where you think they are. I mean, I think that's that's pretty close then. Uh, and then who do you think are are overrated and who do you think are underrated? And we've already talked about Ian Book. So I do have a top 10, and let's start with this. I think the top two are pretty cut and dry. Tua Tagovailoa yeah. and, and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yeah, that's top easy. two I mean, are and, obvious. And you can argue either one of them, one and two. I mean, there's, there's legitimate arguments for both guys at number one. No, and, I think if you're... Two. Would you agree? Um, I suppose, yeah, if you're going to argue. I mean, if you're, if you're actually going to go by what happened on the field in 2018, it's Tua by a landslide. But if you're going to go with... You know, if you're going to go with future and I just, I don't, projecting to the NFL, sure, I think, yeah, I think and you I, could argue yeah. Trevor Lawrence and also the way he played in the title game. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is awesome. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to react too strongly to two games that he played. Um, admittedly, against Notre Dame and Alabama, in which he was outstanding. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to react too strong, you know, too strongly on that yet. When I saw Tua do it for an entire season. Um, having one of the better passing seasons in the history of college football, or at least one of the most efficient passing seasons mm-hmm. in the history of college football. Um, people are, people are letting, uh, you know, two as two of, you know, two of his last three games stick in his mind or stick in their minds a little too heavily. He Tua had an amazing season last year. And I, you know, I expect him to be in all likelihood better this upcoming year. Um, you know, of course, that's pending their offensive coordinator change. I think they went back over to uh, uh, what's his butt's name from um, uh, Sar- Sarkeesian. <laughs> oh, do they go back over to him because uh, Loxley went to um, Maryland? Loxley go Maryland. Okay. Yeah, so I could, I, I could, I could certainly see Steve Sarkeesian coming in there and and kind of foretelling the end of Alabama football. That would be great. That'd be really good for the sport. 
Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I I kind of have a feeling with Alabama returning, like I don't know everybody off of their offense from last year they're probably going to be fairly unstoppable this year and Tua is going to have uh Tua should be the should be the slam dunk Heisman favorite no one should even be close to him I don't think so so yeah okay so we, we agree it's it's one two I just I think the biggest the biggest difference between the two I think Trevor Lawrence is a better arm than Tua I think he's got a stronger arm and and I, yeah, yeah I think very your, accurate I, I, I think if but, you're projecting him to the NFL Trevor Lawrence you know, definitely, you know, checks most of those boxes. Of course, here on this podcast, Lee, we are very apt for not, you know, not being shoehorned by those boxes. Uh, but at the same oh, time, sure, Trevor sure. Lawrence kind of seems like he is, he fits pretty neatly into every box. He is, he's accurate, he's athletic, he can move, um, you know, strong arm, all that stuff. It, it, it looks like he understands, uh, you know, spread football in the, in, in the 2010s where he understands his matchups and, and how to throw guys open. Trevor Lawrence is a stud. Don't get me wrong there. I just, you know, we're, 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 there's a lot of people forgetting a little too easily what the, the type of season that Tua had last year, which was unbelievable. He had an unbelievable season. Well, I think these are two quarterbacks. The, the easy way to put it in my mind is that these are two guys that if you're an NFL fan and your team is drafting in the first you know, pick or two and you need a quarterback, you're going to be happy with either one of these guys. Uh, this is... I mean, this is I'd be excited about one of these either one of these guys, if, you know, as much as I was excited about Baker Mayfield, as much as I am. I mean, excited about Kyler Murray. Uh, these guys don't seem to be Drew Locke. They, they're, this guy isn't uh, I mean, they're both they're both above a guy like Josh Rosen, I think, too. So uh, and then I mean, Sam, Dar- I like Sam Darnold more than you do. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, these are they're. Yeah, they're both really good players. Yeah, these are guys who good. are who who I think are are better NFL prospects than Jameis Winston and Marcus Marcus Mariota. Uh, oh, these yes, guys, yes, I mean, these guys definitely. are up there. The, these <laughs> these guys, I think, are probably going to be stars in the NFL, especially in this new age NFL. Um, Tua, I, I could certainly see him, um, maybe being a bust in the NFL. And of course, we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves here, uh, just because, you know. He did see two defenses last year that that gave him some fits. Three, if you actually want to count Mississippi State as well. Um, but I mean, you can't. And his injury issues. We'll see if he has injury, any injury problems again. I mean, but we'll see if yeah. But let's not forget that this this is not a guy who is just you know throwing to guys who are just wide open. I mean, he was fitting the ball into very tight windows, showing off accuracy and arm strength. This guy has has absolutely a talented arm. So. Um, I think people are probably going to dismiss Tua a little too uh, a little too early this year, which I think maybe by the time that the that the season no, starts. No, I think you're over. They, I think you're overstating that. People remember how good Tua was, and it's it's going to be it's the whole narrative. I think this whole season is going to be between Tua and Trevor Lawrence perhaps, and Heisman. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just maybe I've it's just been it's been too long since a game has been played, and I'm. Reading too many headlines, which you especially because Tua is going to be fully healthy, you would expect. I mean, sure, yeah, and yeah. This is this is what this is what the summer breeds for. This it's just it's sure. it almost kind of feels like we're 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 further away from from the season than we were in in February. It almost feels like. <laughs> All right, so let's break down this list. Let's go through it here and there, and just talk about who we think is rated too high, too low, things like that. And I think that. Uh, you have to define the way you're going to interpret this list. And I tend to look at quarterbacks more as NFL prospects. I know you do sometimes too, but you also do a good job of talking about them as more of a college player. So let's say if I was going to do this list, 
based on NFL prospects and the way I feel like they're going to project to the league, I'd have Sam Ellinger much further down the rankings. I just I don't think he's got the tools that I'm looking for in a franchise NFL quarterback. But if I'm looking at these rankings strictly based on which quarterback would I want in college football this fall, which is the spirit of the list, I'll admit, I know that, uh, I'd have Ellinger pretty high because I, I do think he's a really good college quarterback. So based on that, we both agree, two on Lawrence, one, two. So number three, and I know you haven't ranked your 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 guys, so I guess I'll just kind of go through my rankings here, and that'll show whether or not I think guys are too low or too high. And so, Grant, I think the number three quarterback right now, and granted this is a Oklahoma football podcast, I'm going to say Jalen Hurts, and it's simply because he's at Oklahoma now. I think he's going to be elevated by the Lincoln-Riley offense, plus he's in the Big 12, and he has tons of experience. He knows how to win. And I just think I love the mixture of his experience and the fact that he's never played an offense like this with a coach like Lincoln Riley. I'd like I like Hertz's situation. If he was still Alabama, obviously I wouldn't have him this high. He'd be a backup. Uh, if he was playing for Texas, I wouldn't have him that high. If he was playing for probably any other team other than Oklahoma, he would not be number three on my list. But the fact that just it's it's a perfect situation for him and uh for Oklahoma where they are I have Hertz at number three on this Athlon list what's Hertz Hertz is number six I believe and so I'll, I'll pause there and, and let you react to that I mean if I know you haven't ranked your guys uh Sam Ellinger by the way is the number three player on this Athlon list so I have Hertz ahead of Ellinger according to uh the Athlon thing in my opinion so I'll, I'll pause here I mean uh, your thought, I mean, if you're putting a list together off the top of your head, I mean, how, would you have Hurts at three as well? No, I wouldn't. Um, I'd have Hurts pr- pretty similarly to where he is on this list, about six. Um, I'm not I'm not quite as ready as you to and, – and, and I think we can make some educated guesses just based off the offense he's playing in, uh, the, the, the coach who is going to be guiding him this year. I don't think it's, it's absurd to think – um, based on that, that Jalen Hurts would be third on this list, but we haven't seen him in an OU uniform. I can only judge him based off what I've seen uh, from him at Alabama, and if that's what I'm going to base him off of, I, I I wouldn't put him higher than sixth on this list. Um, okay, I, I I need to you know we do have to have some consistency. I was the person saying, you know, in December that if Jalen Hurts started that Orange Bowl over to attack uh, over Tua, that OU would win that game. You know, so I'm it's. Um, so I, I do think sure. we need to be a little, well, just intellectually honest with this. You know, I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a great season, but if we're going to be judging him based off what he's done so far up to this point, um, I don't think you, I don't think you can put him over Sam Ellinger right now. Um, and I know, I know Ellinger being three was, was definitely kind of the, was the big eye opener on this list. Um, and this is kind of where I break from a lot of OU fans. I think this is perfectly defensible. Um, I think Sam Ellinger is perfect for exactly what Tom Herman wants to run. Um, I, I don't think he'd be perfect everywhere else. I think if you asked him to, you know, to spread it out and throw it 50 times a game, he probably wouldn't be the most efficient passer. Um, but within Tom Herman's offense, Sam Ellinger knows exactly what he's doing, and he's very, very effective. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what he's Unless- like. Uh, unless he's not, which he is incredible, he's inconsistent from time to time in he's, certain he, situations. He's inconsistent which is why from time I, to time, but which is why I'm just I'm not I I'm not all there on him because of what I've seen from him in Texas. That, sure. That's like it kind of goes. I mean, I'm I'm going to give reasons why I, I I can't put these other guys ahead of Hertz, and just because of I mean, it's a 
it's an opinion thing. Obviously, we all have our own opinions. And I'm being intellectually honest, Grant. Don't don't blunt me into hey, we need to be intellectually honest. Oh, I no, wasn't I saying wasn't. all stuff about I Jalen Hurts. I wasn't accusing you. That was more I just wanted just to make a, I just wanted to be clear on that. No, I'm not I don't think you're being a hack by putting Hurts there. That's why I tried to <laughs> that's why I tried to say exactly. originally that I it's totally arguable. But I think Ellinger being at three here is arguable. I if I was making a list, I wouldn't put Ellinger at three. I would probably put Jake Fromm at three. And then and then, you know, as I alluded to a few weeks ago, I'd probably put Derek King ahead of uh, Sam Ellinger as well, uh, but that's that's it. I, I would have Ellinger fifth on this list, um, and then followed by by uh, by Jalen Hurts. And I, you know, I think any order of a lot of those guys is perfectly defensible. Um, we I, I do want to throw out there just for continuity's sake. Number five on this list for Athlon is Justin Herbert at Oregon. He's a guy. We should who, stop. I was gonna say we should pause it at some after you're done with Herbert. Let's let's stop and go through the top ten. Yeah, uh, Justin Herbert's a guy who's just never impressed me at all when I've watched him, and I'm I'm just I'm not gonna buy into the hype now. I just won't do it. He's gonna have to show me. It's one of those things. So we've kind of already talked about the top five in a way, but just not very clear. So let's just go over in case you haven't seen the list and you're listening. You're like, what are the rankings that Athlon has? The top ten goes like this: number one is Tua. Number two is Trevor Lawrence. Three is Ellinger. Four is Jake Fromm. Five is Justin Herbert, as Grant just said. Six is Jalen Hurts. Seven is Shea Patterson from Michigan. Eight, Justin Fields of Ohio State, just transferred there from Georgia. Number nine is Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. And number 10 is Derek King of Houston, the quarterback that Oklahoma will face in week one of this year. So that's the top 10 they have. Grant's already listed. You listed your top five a moment ago. You said that you'd have uh, – who'd, who'd you have at number one? Tua or Lawrence? It'd be Tua. Okay, so Tua, Lawrence. Go Tua, ahead. Lawrence, Fromm, and it would be a very, very shaky Fromm at three. Um, and then I would put Derek King and then Sam Ellinger, and then I'd have Jalen Hurts and then Ian Book. Um, okay. And then, I'd, I, and then I'd have to think a little further than than that. All right, so so you've gone through seven. I have, I have Tua, Lawrence, I said Hurts. My number four is uh, from Jake Fromm, and they got a new offensive coordinator there at Georgia. So who knows what's going to happen there? But I'm going to be betting that a Jim Cheney departure is good for Jake Fromm, just because even though that offense statistically is usually pretty good uh, off from an offensive standpoint, it just it's nothing special. And Georgia fans, I mean, you have a firsthand experience of that, Grant. The Rose Bowl, Georgia fans weren't a big fan of Jim Cheney running that offense, so. Maybe the new offensive coordinator there can kind of open it up, and and from going into his third year as a starter can can kind of you know, can throw the ball a little bit more because he's I think he's a good throw of the football. I think he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, so I, I think like from there. Yeah, and I, you know I when I say when I say he's a shaky three there, like I I really mean it. I that I mean that could change from from week to week because there's just but I I think I think the highs of Jake Fromm have been a lot higher than any of the other guys that I mentioned on that list. That's why. So, like, for instance, the you know the first three quarters of that SEC championship game against Alabama, Fromm was, was unbelievably good, was NFL mm-hmm. good, was first-round NFL good. Um, and we've seen that from him at other times over the course of his career. We just haven't seen it that consistently. Um, but, he's, but Fromm has also consistently been not terrible also. He's never really been... He's never really had just like a massive stinker of a game. So, okay, so Fromm is my number four, and I have Ellinger at five. So I have Ellinger two spots below what Athlon has, and it's just simply uh, Texas is just – they've been kind of what they are with Tom Herman. They they have those big wins here and there, but 
though I mean they've lost to Maryland back to back seasons in week one. They're just inconsistent. They, you know, they remember that game against Oklahoma State. I mean, they lost back to back games, Oklahoma State, and then West Virginia last year. And so it's just, I, Ellinger's not really a guy. I think that can he can elevate the team. I mean, he he did he elevated them against Georgia in that bowl game, but it's it's not it's I guess it's more of Texas than it really is uh, Ellinger to me as far as where I'm ranking them. Uh, I just don't really buy into Texas as much, and so therefore I, I can't put Ellinger higher because I think the offense from Oklahoma and even in a way Georgia has a little more upside than I think the Texas offense will because Tom Herman just – the offense has been fine at Texas, but he's an offensive guy. It, it's not, it has not been great. It has not been that explosive. And yeah, so but until I, mean, I see that, I'm not going to put Ellinger – in the top yeah, three. I mean, Texas's not, offense was good last year. It wasn't. I don't. I don't, I don't think we should grade it on the uh, on the curve good. of OU. It was a good offense. They were good. They were very effective at what they wanted to do. And I don't know. I Sam Ellinger had. I mean, just, George's offense was better with Jake Fromm running it. With Jim Chains as the offensive coordinator, statistically. Yes, George's uh, offense was much better than Texas's. George's offense was very good last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that had to do with they have a lot of NFL players on offense. Texas um, doesn't really have any NFL players. Maybe Colin Johnson and LJ Humphrey didn't get drafted somehow. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe Sam Cosme, their right tackle, is an NFL guy in the future. But I mean, that's that's it, really. Um, yeah, G- Georgia was running out an NFL guy at every position. They, they had a much yeah. better offense. Well, we'll save more. We'll talk about Ellinger a little bit more later in the show. Then um, at number six, I have Herbert. And I'm, I mean, I'm the same. I'm, I'm not sold on him in the NFL. I mean, he's one of those guys where he's got all the tools. He's got the size. He's got a strong arm. But that completion percentage is a little too low for my liking. I mean, he, he hovers career-wise around 60 61% completion percentage. In the Pac-12, not the greatest conference. I, you know, I would not be I – mean, I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. I'm sure he'll be a – depending. Like, he'll probably be a top-10 pick. I just – I don't know if I'd be that excited about Justin Herbert if I was an NFL fan and, and he was going to my team as like the, the, the big you know, franchise quarterback guy. But by kind of by default and his experience, I got him at six. Seven and eight and nine and ten of me are kind of like either or. Seven and eight, I got Adrian Martinez and Derek King. I think both those guys are good. I think both of them also have really good head coaches and offensive coordinators that can both elevate them. Uh, Adrian Martinez, very uh, young last season. I think you know, with Scott Frost another year, he's, he's got a lot of tools, a lot of talent. And, I mean, we, we talked about Derek King a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. I mean, he, he's really good, too. I mean, he, he's really good. And, and with Holgerson there now, I think Holgerson will help elevate him. And then 9 and 10, kind of pick your poison, either or. I got Ian Book and Brock Purdy from Iowa State. And I, I think both, both of those guys command the offense really well and their respective teams. They're both really athletic. Uh, they both complete a lot of throws, high completion percentage. And I just and uh, the difference, I think Purdy's got more talent than uh than ian book and i i really like brock purdy and, and he's another he's number 18 on this list i think he's way too low as you can tell i, I think he's a top 10 guy going to this year and i i think there's two players in the top 10 of their list that i just i'd much rather have brock purdy than uh than these two players now i'll i'll kind of tease it right now but i'll, I'll stop and, and let you get get some more to end that's my top 10 there what uh, do you have any issues with my top 10 I don't know if I'm ready to put Purdy in there. Um, 
It's more of a projection, too, because it's based on what I saw yeah. and how he played. And it's the same way. I mean, I think Purdy and Ian Book are very similar. They both kind of came in not quite the midpoint of the year and both played incredibly well. Sure. And they, they each have like one or two kind of like off games. But for the most part, they were fantastic. Sure. So, OK, I'll actually I'll, I'll round out my top 10 here because I remember what I had here. So one, I have two. Two is Trevor Lawrence. Three is Jake Fromm. Four is Derek King. Five, Ellinger. Six, Hertz. Uh, seven, Ian Book. Um, eight, I will put Shea Patterson. And then uh, nine, I'll go ahead and slot Justin Herbert in there at nine. And then Lee, at number 10, that is when I will just go ahead and jump towards... Um, yeah, see, I just... I, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of putting Purdy there, but I am pretty comfortable, Lee, with putting in uh, Jacob Eason over at Washington. And this is more of oh, a... Pro- wow. This is more of a projection on my part. Um he is an upgrade in every conceivable way to Jake Browning at Washington. Um, they they might uh, their their offense might be unlocked a little bit with Jacob Eason, um, and then also too the another guy I would think about even throwing in there in, in a top ten discussion that not a lot of people I don't think would you know would really think about, and that would be Jake Bentley over at South Carolina. Um, he's a guy who's just he's experienced and he's thrown for a lot of yards and and a decent amount of touchdowns in his career. Um, and that just really, that can't be said for a lot, a lot of dudes, especially at the college level when there's so much turnover like that. And so he's just, he's, he's had a lot more success completing forward passes than some other dudes that are ahead of him on this list. So, um, I don't know. It just kind of shows you not, I think it's a bit of a reach with those guys, but you you could look prophetic four months from now. Sure. Not, not an insanely, um, not an insanely great quarterback class, you know, this year so when you got when kelly bryant is 20th on this list that i mean you know you got a problem there that guy's he's not a good quarterback well felipe franks is 19 and he's not good either yeah and so that's so, where you uh, say like i like I, I think jake bentley is better than felipe franks i mean almost easily um but then also yeah, and i would you, bet that uh yeah, I'd, I'd probably bet that Eason's uh, Eason hasn't played in forever. I mean, he yeah, he was injured his, and then from beat him out, year. and he had a red shirt and since his freshman year, and, yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, fair. So it's he fair. could be really rusty. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, but once you get kind of further in this list, you start to see other guys, and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, he's not that great. He kind of sucks. Like remember, <laughs> like I I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Lewerke was on that top 100 list uh, last year to start the season. And here he is. He's thirty seventh on the on the quarterback list. He I, was not on the top one hundred. Oh, thank thank God. I couldn't. I, I, pulled I, up here still. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, interesting list for sure. I would. I, I would. Uh, it's 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 pretty good off season fodder here for everyone else. Another guy that wouldn't surprise me if he if he shoots up this list is a uh, J T Daniels at USC. He was he was yes, about he was about the one thing from that team last year that that uh that impressed me he's he's got a really quick release he seems to know uh where he wants to go with the ball and now working under uh, graham harrell wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if, if if he has a good season as well and also too don't uh, don't be surprised if um you know it's, it's kind of a bit on this show that we like to we like to bang on willie taggart in florida state but he did make one of the better uh one of the better hires of the offseason he hired kendall bryles to run his offense and Typically, wherever Kendall Bryles goes, an extremely explosive and potent offense follows. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if James Blackman at Florida State has a good season also playing uh, in, in the Kendall Bryles system. A couple of just guys I want to touch on real quick that I think were ranked 
way too high. And one of these guys is in your top 10, and that's Shea Patterson. I think Shea Patterson at seven is too high. I don't think he's a top 10 guy. And, and it's the same kind of reasoning that I use with Ellinger, why I don't put Ellinger. I have Ellinger pretty high, granted, but I don't put him higher. And that's just because, I mean, Shea Patterson is a solid player. Don't get me wrong. He's just capped by his team. He's capped by that 1990s Michigan offense. And Jim Harbaugh just – that offense is just – it does not do anything for me. They're changing. So they're, Shea they're, Patterson – completely overhauling the offense harbaugh's got no has no say in it whatsoever anymore they hired someone else they're running the spread so pep hamilton's gone yeah he is really yes who'd he give it to i'm looking i'm furiously searching right now uh josh gaddis is their new offensive coordinator he was the he was alabama's wide receiver coach last year interesting yeah so they're not they're not they're gonna be doing the whole rpo pretty much everything uh out of the shotgun thing now hmm we'll see how much let's see if uh, harbaugh even allows that though because you know he likes his smash mouth everything i've, your throat, everything set the I've tone, read kind of everything i've yeah. read said is that harbaugh is is handing over the reins of the offense completely to gaddis so what's so what's harbaugh's job then because he's an offensive guy so he's just going to be kind of a ceo coach now he just kind of hangs out calls time out every once in a while all right, jeez, well. man. I don't know. I'm just just telling you what I've read. He doesn't. It's just. It's just. And, and it's I'm so not interesting saying, to me. Whenever an offensive guy, head coach, is just like, yeah, okay, I'll just you do the offense. I'll just kind of hang out here. I'll, I might give my two cents here and there every once in a while. It's possible it doesn't work at all. I know uh, LSU a handful of years ago in the last year of of uh, Les Miles's career there, they hired uh, Matt Canada to come in and run like an yeah, in, a, like well. an interesting spread offense. And Canada and Miles were at like were kind of at each other's throats the entire time because they could never get on the same page. Um, so yeah, I was wrong about that. I thought Canada coming in there was going to make that LSU offense a little more dynamic than yep, it normally so, was. So that it was doesn't a big swing in the miss. Yep. So it doesn't always work out exactly how you think, but uh, well, that's yeah. something to watch out for, though. I didn't know that. The other player that is is too high just because we don't know anything about him is Justin Fields at number eight, and he just he has very little experience. He had he took I think. I think he attempted maybe 20 or 30 passes last year at Georgia. And I'm just not sure if he can complete passes. The small amount of times I saw him play, he was one of those guys that it looked to me that if first read wasn't there, he just dropped it down and then he ran because he's very athletic. Uh, so I obviously he's there because he's at Ohio State and Ohio State's Ohio State. But, uh, man, I, I'm not comfortable at all putting him up in the top 10. So that was just kind of like, a, hey, he plays for Ohio State and he'll probably be the starter there for – we're putting him here, so which I, I mean that was a uh, a bit much. If we're going by the history of college football, that's not a that's not a terrible take. No, it's not. Gonna... It's not. It's just we we kind of know a little bit about him though, and eh, I'm just not wasn't that impressed with what I saw from Justin Fields last year. All right, let's. Oh, I just clicked out of the rundown on accident, so bear with me. What's that? What do you want to talk about Kansas a little bit, Grant? Sure, I'll I'll let you talk about Kansas, and then I will uh, then I'll comment, I suppose. So we were going to transition into Texas because obviously Texas is a much more interesting opponent than Kansas. But I just think a couple things about Kansas are interesting. Obviously, Les Miles is there, so that whole thing to me is is somewhat interesting. He's the biggest name guy to coach Kansas since Charlie Weiss was there, and we all know Charlie Weiss was an absolute disaster. And I was looking back at previous records of Kansas head coaches. Mark Mangino is the only KU coach with a winning record since the 1950s. So it's just been a college football 
wasteland in Lawrence, Kansas, with the aside from Mark Mangino's tenure, I think from 02 to 09, and he was a couple games above 500. And of course, he won that uh, Orange Bowl against uh, who they beat? Would they beat Vatek? Virginia or? Tech. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's just it's insane how how poor head coaches have been there. Uh, so the Les Miles thing there, I, you know, it's just what's going to happen with Les Miles? He's been out of the game for what a few years now, two years. He, he sat out. Will he be able to bring some energy, some life to that program, or will it kind of be like Charlie Weiss, where he's just kind of over the hill and it just doesn't go well at all? And also, you got Puka Williams, who I think is one of the best running backs in the Big Twelve, maybe even in the country. He is so explosive. He was, man, the times I saw him play last year. Obviously, Oklahoma saw him run for it seemed like seven hundred yards against the Sooners in that game I think he was over 200 but he's incredibly explosive and good but he's suspended right now so what's Kansas gonna do I will he play again I you know I don't know I mean that's something to watch out for I don't know do you have any theories have you even looked into do you have any any idea what do you think Kansas is gonna do I mean I, he's so good that they're gonna want to keep him if they can but I think it was like battery or uh, domestic violence against i don't know it's it's one of the, it's it's one of those uh the last the last thing i read said that he's like he's going through the legal process or whatever and i don't know they would they would have an update later on i don't know it's kansas football there's not going to be a ton of updates on it like an a domestic and I, and, battery charge yeah you know i don't there's just there's just not a ton of people in lawrence relatively speaking who care about that stuff <laughs> i just yeah you know, and so, so maybe we'll why. see something where where they ended up suspending him for four games or half the season or something like that, and then and I think that's that's probably what will happen. Um, so you know, it's it, it's just it's tough for me. I it's, I kind of laughed when you brought up Kansas because I had totally forgotten about it, and I don't know if if you know if, if we have listeners here who have been with us since the 2017 season. Um, maybe you'll remember my take after the whole, you know, Baker Mayfield grabbing his junk game. Um, one of my main takeaways from that game was that Kansas is just, is not to be taken seriously as any sort of football program whatsoever. Um, and I, I still wholeheartedly believe that they're a joke of a program. Um, and David Beattie was not a classy coach. He let his, he, he let his, he let his players act like children. Um, and they also got their their butt kicked on the re- on a regular basis, and I think it's probably it's it's probably going to happen uh, with with less miles at, at the helm too. This just this really stinks as kind of just like a last ditch effort uh, try to try to capture some of the magic that less miles has or had. But I mean, he was starting to lose it at LSU. That's why he was on the chopping block for like you know four his last five seasons there. Um, the guy does not. He does not understand modern college football, especially on offense and where it's heading. And he's just he's just gone to one of the most difficult places in the country to recruit to. It's I mean, it's a place that is basketball crazy. The fan base could not care less about the football program and the athletic department doesn't care. They don't put any resources into it. Kansas is going to be really terrible for a really long time. It's they're. They they need some sort. The only thing that's going to get get them out of this mess is a lucky hire, and Les Miles is is not that not that person. Well, here's the thing though. They did remember hire they they hired a new athletic director last summer, Jeff Long, and then he and, and so, then he turned around and hired less freaking Miles. Yeah, I mean I 
I was surprised that Les Miles went so so long without getting hired. I you know was it because nobody wanted to hire him or he just didn't want to coach yet or what? I, He's also weird. The dude eats grass. Yeah, I mean this is a guy who in, in his one national championship season made so many insane, just unbelievable coaching blunders in the last minutes of the games, and and somehow was still lucky enough to win a national title that season. Um, <laughs> right. I mean the guy was the guys. The guy recruited some great players to LSU. He recruited some great players to Oklahoma State when he was there. So, you know, maybe he'll be able to get some some decent guys there. But this, I mean, the game is passing this guy by. I mean, even even when he was well, in his heyday, he couldn't, he couldn't manage a game. Well, he's had a couple years off. If he was smart and he knew he wanted to coach again, maybe he's been evolving and learning because it's possible. I mean, looking at Kansas' schedule – Indiana State, Coastal Carolina, then they got to go to Boston College, and then the Big 12 schedule gets here, and well, well, if, we'll see. I, I don't think, you know, if, if you're looking at guys who have taken some years off and are back in the game and are evolving, Les Miles isn't the guy you should be looking at. It's actually Mac Brown at North Carolina is the guy you should be looking at. All of the hires that he's made suggest that, he's, that he is getting with college football in 2019 and is going to try to, you know, is going to try to, you know, to do what everyone else is doing. So... I guess well obviously we'll see what you know what the product on the field is like but I just this is going to be a disaster. It's going to be super entertaining for all of us to watch. But at the same time I'm getting to the point where it's kind of annoying that Kansas is such a stain on the Big 12 cuz they are. They're I mean they're they're worse than a lot of than a lot of MAC programs and it's embarrassing. All right, well let the record show that I have a little bit more optimism in regards to Kansas with less I mean they're the worst because they're, I like less miles. They're they're arguably the worst the worst program in FBS, out of every mm-hmm. program. I mean, yeah. a, a legitimate argument can be made. They have a worse football program than Western Michigan. That's totally unacceptable. Yeah, well, Western Michigan playing a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl in the recent yeah. Year? Maybe you should use a different team. Yeah, I know. I was uh, Akron. <laughs> they played in a bowl game recently and they got beat by fifty. I think. All right. Uh, yeah, that's all I got in Kansas. So basically, we're going to just pencil them in the last place yet again, I'm sure. Well, of course. Until, yeah. Until, until evidence suggests otherwise. And, and Until Todd Reesing, you know, comes back around. Or yeah, and Desmond Briscoe. Desmond Briscoe, yeah. And Aqib Tlaib. <laughs> all right. So you wanted to talk about Texas. You had, I mean, you can go on and on about Texas. Once again, they're getting a lot of preseason hype. Is this the season? That all this preseason hype is finally warranted in your mind. Well, this is the I think this is probably the most preseason hype they've gotten probably in the last four or five years. Um, and I think it it's just kind of it ironically, of course, comes when they when they when they lose just so many big time players off of their team last year. I think they only have seven returning starters total. Um, and that's seven that, or eight. I was looking yeah. at. Some article that about Phil Phil Steele's preview on him. I think Phil Steele said they got eight returning stars. I think, I think yeah, I think they have four back on both sides of the ball, basically. Um, so, you know, I their their defense wasn't spectacular last year. It was effective at times, but it wasn't. It was nowhere near as good as that 2017 unit was. So I could certainly see just by virtue of them being a lot more experienced on the back end this year, their defense just taking taking a step this year because they do return some experience in, in the secondary and some talented experience, and not to mention they've recruited really well ever since Tom Herman got there as well. 
Um, they have Sam Ellinger and they have Colin Johnson and they have some guys back on the offensive line, their best offensive lineman, actually. So I can see why, you know, eventually all that recruiting is going to pay off. But at the same time, I mean, Texas has been a has been a really mediocre program since 2010. And until we actually see them take that next step, I think it's pretty it's, you know, I think I, I think Texas is is OU's main competition in the Big 12. I'm certainly not ready to to take that next step to think that they're gonna you know they're gonna compete nationally. I still think they should be, uh, I, I still think they should be relatively big underdogs against LSU in week two. But they won't be. They they probably won't be. So that game is at it's at home. It looks like right. It's is in that, Austin. Yeah, in it's in Austin. Austin. But I don't. And they get Louis in week one. I mean, they get a kind of a feisty Louisiana Tech team. No Maryland this year. But Louisiana Tech was 7-5 and five last year. They have a really experienced quarterback, according to my quick research I just did on this Athlon Sports quarterback list. <laughs> so, I mean, Louisiana Tech, I'm sure. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisiana Tech cause gives them some sort of trouble maybe early because we've seen in the last two years Tom Herman does not have his team particularly ready for week one, it would seem, and for whatever reason. Yeah, but anyways, I, I mean, I that's, mean that's, that's – I mean, and, and plus the look-ahead factor to LSU could be a – could be an issue. Yeah. And so I'm still kind of, you know, I I'm still a little a little bearish on Texas just because, you know, I um I think I think people kind of discount how much of their offense last year was Ellinger to to LJ Humphrey. I mean, that was that pretty much what made the engine on offense run. And so they're going to definitely have to rework that a bit last year. They did not run the ball well last year whatsoever. I don't uh I know Keontae Ingram is back and, you know, he, he flashed some potential at some point in time, but they don't really, they didn't really flash a lot of guys in the backfield who you're scared of whatsoever when they carry the ball. Um, so I, and I, you know, they're obviously going to have, they're going to need some guys to step up at receiver now that LJ Humphrey is gone. I know Colin Johnson, of course, is a matchup nightmare down the field, but he's not a guy who once he has the ball in his hands, he's going to pose that big of a threat. He's more of a possession guy. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Texas certainly has some questions. Um, I think they're going to be really good in the secondary on the back end. And I think Ellinger is, is probably going to have some really nice moments, but until I see them have a, you know, a tangible replacement for LJ Humphrey, who was such a massive part of their offense last year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of pump the brakes still on Texas a bit, you know? Yeah. Big surprise. This is an OU football podcast. Um, but you know, until we until we see that explosion, until we see kind of that dominance of of just sort of the middling teams that they've struggled with, especially the last couple years, I don't know how else you come to any sort of conclusion, or or how you come to any other conclusion. And you know what? I, I just uh, Trevor Knight beating Alabama in the in the Sugar Bowl all those years ago is is still so fresh in my mind, and all of the hype that OU enjoyed that upcoming season, and then boom. Uh, the previous, the next season, I think they probably had the worst season in the Bob Stoops tenure, um, and so it, things can change that instantly, especially when, um, especially when you take away such important players from a team like that, which you know Texas really is losing a lot of really important guys that they've that they've had on that team. They have the third most bets to win the national championship according to sportsbetting.ag meaning taking in futures bets for the the national title next year texas 
behind, uh, I believe, Bama and Clemson is the, the team that people are most betting to win the national title. And uh, Oklahoma, I know we're talking about Texas, but Oklahoma, as far as money wagered to win the title, is, is number two. And I can only imagine that's because OU's odds are, are pretty good. I think OU's something like plus 1,200, which I believe is I I think 12 if you're, to 1, I think. Yeah, which I think if you're yeah. going by, you know, if you're going by conventional college football wisdom, I mean, those are, those are, pretty, those are pretty good odds at OU because what I mean there's just off the top of my head right now I I I would say there's maybe five teams that I think could conceivably win a national title this upcoming year and OU is one of them sure so you know I I, it it would make sense if if you're looking for a decent value bet I suppose picking OU is a good bet Uh, you know picking Alabama or Clemson's certainly a boring bet and not great value no no yeah, when it comes to Texas right now, I don't have a whole lot to say. Mainly, I'm. I think a big reason why, again, they're getting a lot more hype maybe this year than I mean, they always get a lot of hype, but uh, quite a bit this year goes with the the Sugar Bowl. Certainly, Ellinger's back, but also, isn't it a lot of it have to do with the fact that they've had some pretty good recruiting classes of late? That's a big part Never of they it. Had sure, top what is it, top five, top ten, top like the last couple of classes have been really good. I mean, so even though they've lost a lot of players. They could be just plugging in a lot of talented guys here and maybe be even better on certain spots than they have been in the past. I mean, you're more into recruiting than I am. Their recruiting class has been pretty solid the last couple of years under Tom Herman, right? They've been good, but a lot of them have been have been heavy on defense. Uh, like, for instance, I know they, they've gotten a lot of defensive backs, which, you know, in the Big 12, that's obviously valuable. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, they, they're, they're stockpiling a lot of talent in Austin, like they usually do. So it's just it's going to be about what they do with that talent. Can they harness it? Um, and I and I I still think that Ellinger is limited in spots. But every a vast majority of of college quarterbacks are limited in spots. Um, so it's just all about whether or not defenses in the Big Twelve can can leverage those weaknesses that Ellinger has. We'll see. It's going to be super interesting to watch them go up against LSU in Week Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a lot of our opinions about Texas are going to be crystallized during that game. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I'm, I'm still kind of over this decade where Texas has been bad. I've been sort of just waiting for them to not be bad again. And so, um, it's, it's going to happen eventually. They have too many resources, too much talent. Um, we'll see though. I, I still, they, they need a lot, they need a lot more explosion on offense and I don't think I'm breaking any news there, but um, in order for them to take the next the next step, just in the Big Twelve, to be honest with you, they need they need a receiver who can who can who can stretch a defense or or a guy who, when you put the ball in his hands, can take it to the house whenever he had whenever he touches it. They haven't had a guy like that at all in the last I mean, decade. It seemed like Jordan Shipley, last one. Um, all right, so Kansas OU plays Kansas October fifth and follows it up with Texas on October the twelfth. That at 11 a.m. kickoff next week, or the next opponent would be West Virginia. So before we get out of here, kind of a quicker podcast this week. Baker Mayfield's hosting a youth football camp Wednesday. Uh, by the time you have this podcast, it'll it'll already have happened. But uh, So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to cover that, and there's a the time we get a chance to, to talk to him, ask questions. I'm sure it'll be a media scrum, so it's not like I get a chance to – 
hang out with him one on one and you know ask him all about what he sees on the field and how to read defenses and all these inside football things I'd love to talk to him about that he'd probably be bored out of his mind talking to somebody like me about it because he I probably don't know half or a quarter of what he knows but uh I was thinking okay so what are some questions you think would be interesting to ask Baker Mayfield right now I have kind of one in my head that I'm not sure if I'm going to ask I've, I feel like I got to word it a certain way you know aside from the whole generic stuff about hey you know you're back in Norman what's it like all the talking stuff that can get him talking about the camp and things like that but uh Grant if if you had a chance to ask Baker anything right now, uh, what would you what, what would you want to know? I'd be curious as to what his off-season program has been like. Um, mostly, I I, I want to know. Well, I mean, and obviously, you can't really get into this if you're just like at a press scrum. But I mean, I would love to know what his day-to-day, uh, you know, grind is like. Is he working out every day? Is he in the film room? Is he, um, you know, is is there? That, that's mostly what I'm. I, that that's the sort of the stuff that I'm really interested in. Um, because now that he's, because you know, at, the, at this time last year, or you know, in the spring last year in the offseason, we knew what he was doing. He was getting ready for the draft. Um, and how's it different this year? Is he is he spending a lot of time with with Freddie Kitchens' playbook? Is he spending a lot of time with teammates throwing routes and stuff like that? Is he spending a lot of time studying, or is it mostly just working out, or is he relaxing and taking a break from it? So, um, yeah. When when yeah when guys kind of graduate to the professional leagues, I I get really interested in what their what their daily grind is. When they're not in season, how do they how do they maintain being a professional? And you know I I, I know that that definitely varies you know in sports and and by person, but that's that stuff really interests me because I know in order to be great, you have to be striving to be great every single day, and that's also in the off season. And so I know there's there's been there's lots there's been lots of stuff said about what what Tom Brady's regimen is and it's it's insane, um, but the guy's dedicated. That's why that's why he is the best because he wants to be the best. So I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm interested in, in in what Baker does and um, what he doesn't do as well. Here's a couple of things that I'm interested in and in, in, you know maybe asking him. I'm curious to get his take on or his thoughts on how he has approached the locker room in Cleveland and in the NFL, you know, obviously he's a rookie and now moving forward to the second season compared to how he approached it at OU. Like whenever he first got in, nobody really knew him at Oklahoma. And then he worked his way into the leadership role. I, I'm kind of curious how he, has he done everything kind of the same way he did at Oklahoma? And it's just, he's transitioned to the NFL and he just, it worked at Oklahoma. Therefore I'm going to do it in Cleveland or has he, does he tweak some things? Does he change things? I'm, I got to figure out a way to ask that to where it's not so wordy. And then also, this is kind of more off the field stuff, and I don't know if he's talked about this before. He probably hasn't, but obviously we know everything about Colin Cowherd and how he just likes to tweet at Colin all the time, which kind of is getting to the point where it's a bit ridiculous. Where he's Baker seemingly has Twitter rabbit ears at this point. It's a bit. Which, it's a bit. Yeah, I, I like. I hope so. I hope so. But I, I know he's he's kind of famous for Baker. Like he's a guy that's like a student of the game, and he has he watched college football growing up, and probably the NFL and stuff too. I, I'd like to know kind of what he consumed growing up as a kid. Did he like what kind of what what kind of shows did he watch? I mean, like who did he follow? You know, like what personalities did he follow? I'd like to know if he watched. You know, like did he like did you like to watch PTI all the time? Did you listen to like Jim Rohn? Like, and that's nothing. I I don't know how to really word that question, but I just would like to find that out because people like you and I, we always talk about you know we listen to certain radio hosts and people on tv like you know we both were like joe clad a lot when he does football stuff I, i'd like to know if 
if Mayfield has certain guys that he really enjoyed listening to or you know Kirk Herbstreet or something you know growing up but like I just would want to know if he'd open up about that or if he'd talk about that yeah I'd be interested in I'd be interested in hearing that although I don't yeah it's like I don't know how much you'd get out of him there that's just kind of a you're right. That's sort of a weird setting to ask that question. It's I like, know. I know. Yeah, it's more something you would probably want to ask if you're like drinking a beer with him, right? Um, right. So because like if so, it, you know because I'm sure he did. He's he's a guy with the way that he just interacts with the media. I, I'm sure that this is this is stuff that he definitely um, uh, that he definitely partook in when he was a kid and and growing up and whatnot. I can't imagine that he didn't. Um, yeah, unless unless yeah, man unless exactly. he was just in the gym at all times just trying to get better. 100 yes. percent of the time yes. yes while he was in the gym he had his his headphones on though listening to you know people and using that as motivation i'm sure even though i guess back then that doesn't make sense because they wouldn't be talking about him so yeah just use use that as more motivation yeah. oh what they're talking about peyton manning they're not talking <laughs> about me oh. How dare. <laughs> uh so yeah all right well a couple of good things there i'm sure i'll think of other stuff but uh looking forward to going out there and and see what that's all about. I'm sure he'll be excited to be back in Norman. I'm sure we'll see some. I'm sure we'll get some OU fo- uh, OU football social media posts of Lincoln Riley hanging out with Baker. And I'm you know look out for that this week, guys. I'm sure you'll see it of Baker being back in town. So all right, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you want to add for the day? I think I'm good. This was a uh, this was a depressingly slow week for college football. Which is yeah. Uh, I got one. I, I got a message on the Facebook page, or we got a message on the Facebook page, uh, with more information in regards to Jalen Redmond and what he's been going through with blood clots. Uh, didn't want to talk about it today on this show because we've gone blood clot discussions. I think the last two or three episodes. Figure we'll leave it out, but I might bring it back for the next episode. Pretty uh, some new stuff. Like we I, we'll bring up the blood clots again if, if we have some new information that we might that you all might find interesting and this time just a bit of a tease uh, we got a message from a medical professional about blood clots and kind of uh, this guy's opinion and, and take on the Jalen Redmond situation obviously no inside information but just based on the, uh, being a, a doctor and just what he's seen and what he knows about that issue and so we'll save that for next week I very long message on the Facebook page and I think you read it too Grant it was very interesting and got to say it, it more somewhat positive news I think in regards to Jalen Redmond oh yeah Jalen Redmond's gonna have 14 sacks this year he's gonna be the big 12 defensive player of the year it's gonna be awesome <laughs> I can't wait so yeah look for that next week that is it for today the next opponent for Oklahoma is West Virginia they got a new head coach obviously new quarterback who we all know about uh, we'll talk about that team next week plus uh, again maybe Sports Illustrated will have that top 100 player rankings out again for 2019 we'll see if they do it again or if they decide not to because they got so much backlash from last year's list even though it's summertime and it's all for fun and uh, baker mayfield says anything interesting this week i'm sure we'll talk about that next show as well so until then for grant i am lee this is west of everest